Welcome to Unshakable with Human Design, the show dedicated to helping entrepreneurs use human design to shift from hustle to flow without sacrificing results. Come here to become an unshakable human and build an unshakable business according to your human design. I'm your host, Nicole Lano. Hello and welcome everybody. I am your host, Nicole Leno, and I am here with a guest today. I'm super excited to have company on the show for a change. I do a lot of solo episodes these days, but it's so fun to have somebody on here. My manifesting generator, my sacral excited to be in response to somebody on the show for a change. I am actually here with Whitney Abraham. She is a, she teaches female leaders how to create relevant brand building content that allows their clients to find them, compels them to follow along and convinces them that they're the person for the job. An industry expert in the online business category, she's coached thousands of clients through the build out and launch of their additional revenue streams. With a strong emphasis on confidence, she helps small business owners go from being the best kept secret to the one everyone can't stop talking about. And who doesn't want that? I want to be the one that everybody can't stop talking about. It's my goal. It's like, I'm going to put that on my vision board. How do I make that into a picture? Um, Whitney, thank you for being here. You are also a six to sacral generator. So we're going to be talking a little human design. We're going to be talking some content marketing and how everybody can be marketing themselves better so that they can be that person that people can't stop talking about. But I'm so excited to have you here and have this conversation. Tell everybody what I didn't cover bio. It's so great. I think it's really cool that the internet can can bring people like us together who are passionate about not only building business, but building it in a way that is highly unique to you. And that's why I love what you're doing here on the podcast too. And I'm grateful to have you, but you got it. I'm a business coach and I work with women to teach them how to market and sell. And we do that through the lens of their own unique experience, their own personal story. And I love leveraging human design. So that way we can understand a little bit more about the way my clients work and how they're best meant to communicate too. Awesome. Can you tell everybody a little bit about how human design has played out in your own business? Because I really too, I love telling everybody what our guests are and so that they can at least see human design in action. Let's see how it's playing out in this person's life. Maybe they're not a 6'2 sacral generator, but they're a 6'2 something, or they're a sacral generator with a slightly different profile. But I'd love to hear how you've used some of the elements in your design and how it's influenced you and your business. You know, it's so funny. I have been living by my human design for a really long time and I didn't know it. And it's almost like the confirmation, like when I finally understood more about my human design, everything made so much sense to me. Oh, this is why I do this. And this is why this comes so naturally to me. And this is why I can't stop whatever it is that I'm doing, right? Like it all made so much sense for me. And I didn't really learn about human design until probably three years ago. So I had already been coaching at that point in time. And I was looking for additional tools to help me. I was really big in Enneagram. Like I love the Enneagram, just additional resources that help you understand a little bit more about you and your personality as a business owner. And when I found human design, it was almost like the floodgates opened for me, just really understanding two things. One, why I do the things that I do. And number two, how I can leverage my innate gifts so much better when it comes to running a business. And just like small things, like I would realize there would be specific gates that I would lean on all the time, right? Like I talk about storytelling in that gate 56. I talk about gate 26 and salesmanship, right? All of these things that made so much sense to me after I understood them. And even too, as a six, two, I've noticed so many 
things about going on the roof here later in life and the way that I run my business, all that stuff. So it really does play in and gives me sort of a framework for understanding myself and of course a framework for marketing in a way that feels authentic. And can you talk to me a little bit about, I'd love to hear your experience with going on the roof. Talk to us a little bit about that. It's wild. Not only am I on the roof, but I've got that second line hermit, right? So here we are removing ourselves from the world and climbing up on the roof. And then also it's like my hermit woke up in a double way. And so now I'm finding myself like really craving alone time. Like all of my creativity happens in that alone time. And before where I was bumping through the world in that third line way that we do, right? We go out into the world and we trial and error. We make mistakes. I found myself when I went on the roof, not wanting to do things, not wanting to try things unless my sacral was just on fire for it. Before I could almost convince myself to try things, not knowing how they'd go, or even if I had a little bit of a meh response, like I might do it anyway. But now it's if my sacral is not all in on it, I just, I can't even on the roof. I can't even imagine it. And that's something, did you have a hard, did you have, did you, were you like a full force three when you were in your three, when you were in your first stage of your six line journey, or were you like a mild three? I was a mile three. I, yeah. There were definitely parts of me that really loved that role model of just, just watch me, just watch me do what I do. I find I have yet to meet a six who didn't feel the slowdown of the going on the roof hard where they were like, where they think something's wrong with them. A lot of times it's just like, why can't I do the things that I use? Why don't I want to do the things that I used to want to do? Why am I? And like you said, with that second line hermit there, the hermiting is real. And it's almost like the sacral no got really dialed up. Like the no became so loud on the roof that I just was, I couldn't ignore it. Like I couldn't just, oh, you should try or you should do new things. No, like I, I literally cannot on the roof. And you should not. Yes. It's how is that working for you by following it, by listening and actually not saying yes, unless it's a hell yes. How has that gone for you? It was hard in the beginning because I think the world that we grow up in as women, especially when we're told to, you know, we have to try almost twice as hard as men at certain things that we have to say yes and be people pleasing in order to be well received and to be liked. I think all of that conditioning made going on the roof and saying no more and listening to that sacral hard because we're really undoing a lot of the conditioning that the world has placed on us as women, right? So women in general have a hard time saying no, whether or not they're generators, we all have a hard time saying no. So I did find it really jarring and very hard to start saying no, but it was almost like my body wouldn't let me say yes any longer. Like when you went on the roof, there was no longer the opportunity for you to say yes to everything because you just didn't have the energy for it anymore. And you knew that all the things that really mattered to you use up every bit of that energy in order to just pull those things off that you cared so much about. Yeah. And have you fully surrendered to this now? Do you feel like we can always surrender a bit more, but do you feel like you're at a point where you're surrendering to this is who I am and this is where I am and I am being led. It's just different now. There are some days where I feel like I'm crushing it. And then there are some days where I find myself having such a hard time. I'm 37. So I'm not like, it's not like I've been on the roof for a terribly long time. I just, and who, you know, who knows, right? How long, but I just have noticed more and more 
my time on the roof, it becomes harder and harder for me to not honor it. And so the surrender process, maybe it takes me a little bit longer. Like it's not instantaneous, that real immediate sacral response. Like I'm fighting it a little bit longer, but the response time gets shorter and shorter. I can't wait until I'm like, everyone tells me that when I'm in my forties, I'm just going to, it's just going to be like a no machine. I'm going to say no to everything. What I find when people surrender to that six line, for those of you who are new here and you haven't heard us talk about the six line. So Whitney is a six two profile. The six goes through, it's the only profile number, whether you have a six in the front or six in the back, whether you're a six, two or four, six, it doesn't matter. Um, the six line goes through three stages of life from birth to 30 years old. You're a three. So you're bumping into life. You're trying everything you learn by trying. And then from 30 to 50 ish, from 30 to 50, we say that you crawl up on the roof. Like you're, I was like, like you're getting out of gen pop. You're like, let me get out of the fray with all of these people. Let me just watch everything. And you go into this observer phase. I'm going to watch everything. And then after 50, you come down off the roof to be the role model, to say, I've done it all. I've seen it all. I understand things from a completely different perspective than all of you. And here's now the wisdom that I have to bestow upon all of you. So it's this, can you do things before you hit 50? Absolutely. You're doing things your whole life. It just, it looks different. So it can feel like these like jarring moments in your life where you cross over these thresholds and you're just like, why am I different? What's going on here? I do find a lot of women who are in that 40s, late 40s part crossing over, getting closer to that role model stage of coming down off the roof. There is this, they don't know what, they don't know they're a six. They might not even know about human design yet. And they're saying things like, I don't know. I feel a change coming. I feel I'm ready. I feel like I'm finally ready to really go for it. And they're like, but I'm at this stage of my life. Is it too late? And it's girl, you right on time. It's the Oprah moment. I can't wait to come (laughs) off the roof as an Oprah, just like into the world. Here's what I have acquired. There you go. Yeah, no. And so I like, I love that you're at the stage, but I find that like people who are in that thirties, forties stage and getting used to the, on the roof, being on the roof, the more you surrender to it, the faster things actually come. You just don't have to work for them the same way. Figuring out because the way that you had to work for them when you weren't on the roof was totally different. That's why you're able to be the role model. You've done it different ways. You've had to adapt throughout your life in ways other people haven't. So your, your lived experience is so unique and provides such, allows you to have such a deep perspective of life that you have a lot to offer. When you get to that 50 mark, you are like the sage, you are the Buddha. So I love all of y'all six lines. I think that it's such an interesting, fun journey that can be tough for some of you, but really profound as a journey when you surrender to it. For sure. When I find another six line, I just feel like I found a soulmate. Like I'm looking at them like, you get it. You get (laughs) just how much is happening in here. (laughs) Yep. Yeah, no, it absolutely true. And if you have a six line down the line too, like even if it's not your profile, if you have sixes, those gates are going to go through a process like that. So it's a very interesting, it's a very interesting thing. I have a number of them in my chart and I'm like kicking over, like I'm maturing in this particular area. Yeah. So I love that. I want to shift a little bit and I want to talk about what you do with marketing and how you help people become that person that nobody can take their eyes off of that person that they're just dying to know what's happening with. Talk to me about your approach with that. Cause I know people are listening to the show and they're like, 
how can I use my human design? A lot of people are curious how they can use their human design. And what's your take on that, having gone through this process yourself? And then what's the process you take your people through, human design or not? Just how do you help making, make them that household name? Yeah, I think, again, I mentioned before leveraging. My conscious son is in gate 56, and that's storytelling. And often I would find people in my life coming to me saying, no one tells a story quite like you do, or you always find the part of the story that becomes like the most sexy, most compelling part. And you can weave it in a way that feels so like momentous, right? And I always would laugh because I just was telling a story. Like it didn't feel hard to me. And then once I learned about human design and I understood, yes, this is easy to you. This comes innately to you, that second line hermit, right? This comes innately to you because it is your conscious son and it is your gift. Like storytelling is natural for you. So one of the things that I do with my clients when I'm coaching them is I'll sit and have them talk about their lived experience. I'll sit and I'll have them talk about the work that they do and who they serve and moments in time that were really pivotal for them. And then I teach them how to thread that through line story together to create that compelling story that positions them as someone that other people can either relate to or aspire to or hold in authority or esteem, right? And so everybody's story is different, but the only part that is the same is the origin of you sit and you talk to me and I ask you more questions about what that felt like for you and moments where you made pivotal decisions and all of these things to craft that narrative. And then after we get that story together, a lot of my work comes into play of how can I help you take who you are, take your story, take your message and create a system for you to be able to create content frequently. When it comes to marketing, if any of you guys run a business, marketing is a humongous time suck for most people. And it feels like such a burden to so many business owners. And my argument is if you don't do this with consistency and with frequency, you're really going to get left behind as a business coach, right? Like we need you to be out in the world sharing more about your knowledge, your expertise, your story. So how can I help you come up with a way to consistently create content that doesn't feel like such a time suck? So a lot of times if I'm referencing their design, I'm trying to look and see what's the easiest way for you to create content. What kind of content comes most naturally to you? Is it storytelling? Is it writing? Is it video? Leveraging whatever those gifts feel like. And we'll look at their human design and kind of see that. Now, it's a secondary tool for me. It's not like a leading tool for me in the way that it is for you, but it does help me understand more about them. I don't even necessarily need them to know more about their design, but I might phrase my questions in a certain way if I know their design, right? Like that good yes or no question if I know they're a generator or maybe something a little bit more invitational if I know they're a projector, right? And so that really helps put them in the zone to tell me the story best and then we can go from there. Do you ever utilize the techniques like putting things out, yes or no questions within content to get the reactions I definitely do that. And I've seen, I have a very large generator, many gen audience, generator type audience, and they all answer the yes, no questions. They all, and it's great because I've learned to tune into that. Like when I'm speaking, make sure that I'm communicating that way. Do you find that helpful for you or for your clients as well? Or do you focus mainly on the, I think it's a little bit of both. And after they figured out their own storytelling abilities and their own skill set then having them pay attention to the way that their audience responds to to content absolutely is helpful tool for them. For me, it's so funny because I find that we attract people that are like us. And so naturally, when I ask yes or no questions, I do get a lot more of a response because I'm the kind of girl who would answer a yes or no or an A or B question. Yeah. 
Like it's a fight. If my husband comes to me and he's like, what's for dinner? I want him to die a slow death. But if he asks me, do you want Mexican or Italian? Immediately I have the right response for him. Let's just change the way that we phrase it. Okay. I know I, the exact same thing. What do you want for dinner? And I'm like, I literally can't answer that. Why are you doing this to both of us again? Do like, you not love me? <laughs> options. Please give me a menu and I will gladly answer, but I cannot answer that question. I don't know what I want to eat. I'm just, I'm hungry. And I go and it's like, I have to go into the kitchen and look at everything and mm-hmm. see what I respond to. I literally don't know yet what I want. Mm-hmm. It's not like I get up and I'm like, oh, I got to go get some almonds. It's like, I have to go look at them and see if that's truly what I want. It's an interesting process. <laughs> When I'm planning dinners too, it's so funny because my husband will say, do you want enchiladas? And it's like, almost like I can't even respond to that. I have to physically look at a picture of enchiladas Mm. to decide whether or not I want them. Um, What is that really? Yeah. No, I love it. So I'm curious, what is the hardest thing? Because I find the telling a story about myself is the hardest thing for Mm -hmm. me. And I know that I'm not alone in that. We just went through, I was just at a retreat for my mastermind and we're all writing this book together and everybody has to tell their story. And the fact that everyone had to tell their story, everyone was just, most of us, I'm going to say 80% of the group was like, I like literally like knives in my eyes more than to write about myself for Mm -hmm. 2,500 words. So how do you approach that? First of all, Everyone feels that way. <laughs> Everyone <laughs> alone. Feels that way. Here's the really interesting thing. Even if you're good at storytelling, telling your own story is still vastly harder than telling other people's stories because you're close to it. Think about it. When you're in the forest. I use this analogy all the time about talking to my clients about how they're too close to something to really be able to see it and sort through it. When you're in the forest and there are trees everywhere, you can't see the path. But with, if someone were to pull you up to the eagle's nest, you could very easily see the winding path to get out of the forest. And your story is much like that when it comes to whether it's your origin story in business or the work that you do or, quite frankly, any story that you're trying to tell, if it's yours, because you're the one that's on the forest floor of your own life, it makes it very hard for you to sort through that, which is why coaching is so valuable. And I know you know this, right? Like whenever someone is helping you navigate the path because they're in the eagle's nest or they can pull you up, it makes crafting that story so much easier. So if telling that story feels hard to you, take heart and know that even Even people who are good at this themselves still need someone to help them co-pilot and navigate to get them out of their head and pull them up to be able to craft that story. But I do think knowing how to ask yourself those right questions, if you're trying to write a story on your own about your business or to articulate something that it is that you do, asking yourself the style of questions that you need to ask in order to start freeform writing and make it less about you and more about the person that you support, right? So Of course, it's overwhelming to say, I do this and I do that. But if we look at the other person that we're working with and we say, in my life, it's been a joy to help this person do this thing. We're still in that story, but we're narrating it in such a different way. And I think that makes it easier for women, especially to tell a story that way. And what's something that that the people who are listening right now, what can they do to start being able to tell their story from a new perspective, to tell it more powerfully? What are some of the things that they can be focusing on without feeling like they need to get everything? Where would you tell them to focus their efforts in conveying more of their story in a powerful way out on social media and their website and just out in the world? I think anyone can look back on their lived experience and say, oh, it didn't make sense at the time, but now that I'm out of it, 
that thing that happened in my life makes so much sense, I would tell you to look backwards. And so if you're trying to tell a story about your business, I would look backwards at all of the decision points or the pivotal moments in your life, business oriented or not, that impacted how you got here today. And so if we can pick like the benchmarks, like mile marker one, mile marker two, mile marker three, right? of our life and tell the story in that way. And the one thing I would tell you too is to stop worrying about being so extraordinary because the most compelling stories are the ones that are relatable. And so you might think, I don't have anything about my business journey or about my company or whatever it is that I do. I don't have anything that's like sexy or compelling. I would tell you the most compelling thing is someone else being able to look at you and see themselves inside of you and to lean into that in order to craft the narrative. Yeah. And I think to that point, I think it's, it's not just extraordinary. I think there's this feeling like you need to be perfect. Like your story needs to have this, like you either have to have, I used to think that my story wasn't sad enough that it wasn't like, I didn't have this overcoming tremendous. I had adversity, but I had like normal person adversity. I didn't like beat cancer. I didn't, I wasn't homeless and then pulled myself up from my bootstraps with 12 cents in my bank, in, in my pocket. Like I didn't have a story like that. And I used to feel like if I don't have one of those, then my story is not worth telling. And that reinforces the message for every other woman who had a lived experience like yours that her story is not worth telling either otherwise, right? And so by you being willing to tell that mediocre average story in a way that was important to you, another woman sitting in that decision point moment of, I feel ugh about blah, about what's going on in my life. She at least can see an example of what someone else choosing to go in that direction looks like. So yeah, whether or not you have an extraordinary story or a very average story, the thing that makes people connected to you and endeared to you is the parts that they can relate. Now, for sure. And one of the things just bringing human design into this, because it relates to my story is one of the things, one of the insecurities I had was my story wasn't linear. It didn't go, I took step one and then I took step two and then I took step three. And now here I am. Like, it didn't look like that. It was like, well, I took step one and then I took step D and then I took step semicolon and I took, I went all over the place and my story had this like very winding path. I look back on it now and I say, oh my God, it was, I was like training for where I am my whole life. I just had no idea. And it looked really messy to probably the outside world. Not that things were bad. It was just, it was so not linear. It was not like none of the steps made sense together where people were like, where are you going? And I'm like, I don't know. I just keep picking up. I just keep doing the thing that feels right. Or when it feels wrong, I shift. And knowing that I'm a manifesting generator now, also knowing that it I'm emotional, it makes so much sense. I literally don't know. Generators, we just don't know who we are until we do something. We know by following the yes and picking up the breadcrumb and continuing on that path or picking up the breadcrumb incorrectly and then going, that's not my breadcrumb. And you throw it down and you look for another one and you look for the next right one. And it's, if you keep getting correct ones and you end up where you're constantly course correcting with the no's and the yeses to end up where you're meant to be, to pick up the lessons and the information that you need to be the most aligned version of yourself. So 
that was just one of the things where it would big permission slip for me to own my story was to say it gets to be messy because that's literally how many gens do it. We're so multi-passionate that we're so into different things that we have to try on a bunch of dresses before we find the right one. And we might be trying on things that don't make sense for the life that we say that we want. But a lot of us just don't know until we try it. And as an emotional authority, I don't know until I've gone through things to have hindsight and to look back at it, to know how I feel about it. And for people watching a manifesting generator in action, they do feel like, what is going on, right? Like, I think only a true managing would understand the way that it feels to do that. Just like, I tried this one thing and then like I skipped six steps and I tried this next thing. And honestly, for you guys, it makes a world of sense. But for the rest of us watching, it doesn't. The point is that it doesn't matter if it makes sense to us. It matters if it makes sense to you. And one of the things that you were talking about in your story of doing this one skill and then acquiring this one skill. And now that you look back and you have hindsight, you can recognize it. One thing I think our world doesn't do a great job of is crafting the environment for discovery in that way, because we're really attached to that linear story, that linear, I start here, I climb the ladder, I end up in this CEO role at one company, right? I do this one skill, I practice this one skill, and I become the foremost authority at this one skill. But I've had to learn how to let go of the last chapter of the story and to stop trying to direct where I think the story is going and instead focus on living in the moment, focus on saying yes as it comes to me, knowing that it will make sense when I get there. We try and make the story up ahead of time so that we know where we're going. That's not the way life is supposed to be. <laughs> no, and it's more about who do you want to be, not where do you want to go? What do you want to embody? Who do you want to, who do you want to be? Yeah, and it's such an underrated the journey is so underrated. I think that we've gotten, do you remember, I, I don't know if you're old enough for this. They used to have this thing on MTV or VH1 called Driven. And they'd have Britney Spears Driven and Pink Driven. And they would show these kids that were like four years old that are like singing on stage. And then they're these juggernaut crazy superstars now. So they make it seem like at four, you should know what you're going to be. That was the message that I received. And I was like, wow, I'm 18. I'm late. Late to the game. I didn't know. I did know when I was younger what I wanted to do, and I was too scared to do it. Uh-oh, shit. I'm effed. I guess this isn't for me. And that created this weird thing where I stopped following my instincts. I stopped doing what I was doing because I was so scared, and I felt like I had missed the boat already. Those people are such an anomaly. And truthfully, some of them fall apart later on because it wasn't their choices that got them there. Yeah, I was say, how many of them were forced? Like a, an unknowing parent saw an aptitude and then they created the environment to foster the skill without really paying attention to whether or not the kid's interests still remained, right? You look at all of these people who are hyper successful in what they do and then the day they can't do it anymore, they don't know who they are because their whole identity is wrapped up into that one skill. And that's not, it's not bad to be so dialed into the one thing that you love and are obsessed with. But oftentimes I think half of the people who end up in that camp wouldn't necessarily have been so intense about it if they were given the opportunity to choose other things. Right. And we'll never know, but no. the rest of us looking at our journey through the lens of somebody who seemingly got it perfect and thinking that we're somehow imperfect because it didn't move that way for us. That's one of the powers, I think, of human design, especially if you're a manifesting generator, your journey is, and a generator, no one's journey is meant to look like everybody else's, but particularly for the generator family, we're all just 
learning about ourselves. We're here to know about us. And we don't know who we are or what we think until we do something. We only mm -hmm. know by I want to do it or I don't want to do it. And if we follow it, then we learn the other thing that comes after that, the next right thing. That's mm -hmm. all we can do. We never know the full path. All we know is to keep looking right in front of us and go, uh-huh, uh-uh, and listen to it and see where it leads us. And give, to surrender to that, to that process can be scary. Paralyzing. <laughs> yeah. But it's, that's why it's the experiment. That's why try it and start to see where it leads you. And it's probably going to start leading you to things that are like where, where some things are going to get easier for you. Some things you're just not going to want to do anymore and you're going to have to let them go. But what is that creating space for when you yeah, let and that as a thing go? Owner, that's hard as a business owner too, because we wear so many hats and we're starting to listen to the way that we feel when we do all of these tasks and we're realizing, Ooh, I don't love to do this thing anymore, but this thing's kind of got to get done. And then we have to sit like, can I trust someone else to do this thing for me so that I have more energy in order to pour into the things that are yeses for me, right? And it's such a delicate dance between your fear and your willingness to trust that like, whatever this universal safety net is, it's going to be there if you're willing to trust yourself and your abilities and willing to pass things off that are not for you and thinking abundantly in the way that means, right? It's hard. It is. And, but it's important to share our story because like you were saying, it does give other people permission to live their correct story, to embrace who they are, share it out there. So I'm, I love what you do and I love how you've approached things. I love seeing people embody their design and using their gifts. I love how you didn't even know really your conscious son turns out to be the gate of storytelling, which is gate 56, the gate of the wanderer that in an open throat and how that just, you didn't gear your business and say, I have these things. So what can I do with it? Cause that's, I think one of the mistakes people make with human design is they're like, okay, how do I jam myself into this gift and build a business around it? It's not really like that. You're noticing where your gifts are and how you can use them in a really high expression. And sometimes it can show you, oh, I never thought of it that way. But I love how you coach people through their message, through their storytelling, through their content, because you're able to reflect back with that open throat. You're I was going to say, I think it's really, it's a privilege to sit in that seat, to be able to hear other people's stories and to be able to show them how touching and magnifying those stories can be because they don't think they're that special. But when they hear it reflected back to them in a succinct way, or maybe in a different phrasing, it really does revolutionize the way that they feel about their story. And I'm lucky that I get to sit and listen to them talk about the work they do and why it matters to them and who they serve and show them how they can package that in a way that feels really compelling and exciting to the people that are watching them. Because again, you're, when you're so close to it, it is hard for you to see it. I'm so fortunate that I get to do that. And I think someone in your role, not that it's undervalued, but I want to highlight how important that is that somebody, a lot of people, you join programs, you join courses and things like that, trying to learn a skill, but it's much more than that. Having some sort of connection with a person that can usher you through, particularly if you're in the beginning, it just what an invaluable resource that is. So I love what you're doing. And I know that everybody's going to want to keep in touch with you. So can you tell everybody, I know you have a free offer or to whatever you want to share and then tell everybody where they can stay in touch with you and how they can learn more about you. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, you can always find me on the internet. On Instagram, it's at Whitney Abraham, just my name. And that's where I spend most of my time. So please come and introduce yourself and say hi. And especially tell me if you have, if you're a fellow six or a fellow Mormon out there, six two, come tell me. But yeah, I, of course you can follow me there. And then I think for those of you that are figuring out how can I tell my story? How can I craft my message in a way that feels compelling to the world and the audience at large on my website, there is a workshop, a free workshop that you can take called 30 and 30, where I walk you through how to create 30 pieces of content in 30 minutes, but it's all leveraging these sorts of questions that are really going to help uncover your experience, your story, and that of your ideal client too. So really compelling and free workshop that if you guys are struggling with creating content around marketing your or your business, that's a really great place to start. And I hope that it's helpful to you. That's awesome. And we will link all of that up in the show notes for you so that you're able to grab it easily and you can stay in touch with Whitney. Thank you for being here. This was so fun. And I love like what you're embodying and thank you for sharing your story with everybody here on this show. It's my joy. And thank you for being a platform for people to have these conversations of true understanding of who they are and what they're going after. It's such a gift. Thank you so much. And thank you, listener, who made it through this whole conversation with us. We appreciate you. We literally would not be here without you. So thank you. And we have a few free gifts just in my world. We have the deconditioning guide and the flowductivity guide. Please, I encourage you to download both of those. The deconditioning guide will help you to embody your human design, not just know about it. So please go go and grab that at nicoleano.me forward slash decondition. And the flowductivity guide, that's going to help you actually get more done while not necessarily working more and being in flow does not mean that you have to stop working or that results have to suffer. We're going to show you how to do that using your unique human design in the flowductivity guide. So go to nicoleno.me forward slash productivity to grab that one. I hope you grab those. I hope you stay in touch with Whitney. Please let us know what you think of this episode by giving a little shout out on Instagram. Take a snapshot of the episode as you're listening to it in your phone. Put it in your Instagram stories and tag us both. We would love to connect with you there. Now go out there and be unshakable, everyone. We'll see you in the next one. If you love this episode and you're a fan of the show, please show us the love on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to the show and leave us a review. And if you'd like to connect with other entrepreneurs on their human design journey, join our free Facebook community, Human Design for Entrepreneurs. Go to nicolano.me forward slash podcast links to join the group, book a human design reading with me, or access our free human design resources. We'll see you there.